again. We were in this same section of text last week, and we're going to just be looking at one verse this morning. Uh, we are in a series uh, titled Seven Shaping Virtues. We're looking at seven virtues that as a sovereign grace church, which is our, our family of churches, we desire these, these virtues to, to be present in and displayed in our lives, in our church community. Uh, these virtues aren't exhaustive as far as virtues that scriptures would call us to, and we realize these only come as a work of God's grace through the fruit of the gospel in our lives, um, and this would be true of any church or believer that is um, that, that fruit of the gospel is in their life, and we don't display these in perfection. We don't have a market on them, um, but uh, we want them to be present in our lives. We want them to be cultivated in our lives because we know it gives God glory. It is for our joy when we do have these in our life, and it is for us loving each other well in the gospel when they are present, and in turn, the lost world around us. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the virtue of encouragement. Encouragement. We want the virtue of encouragement to mark our lives. Uh, a few questions for you this morning. Who here does not want encouragement? <laughs> Anyone? Any takers? Raise your hand. I don't want to be encouraged. Um, the opposite of that. Who, who, who in this room wants to be encouraged? That, all of us would say, I, I want encouragement. So maybe take a moment to think, when is the last time someone did that directly and specifically for you? Maybe when was the last time that you did that to someone else? I think we'd all agree, we'd say we do not suffer for lack of encouragement, right? We, we desire that. We, we, it's not that we don't want that. We, we do want that. It's, it's not over-encouragement is the problem. It's that we have lack of encouragement. No, I don't think anybody stopped anybody this week and said, please stop encouraging me. <laughs> you know, no, do not, do no affirming words for me today. I don't want you to draw attention to God's grace in my life. I don't want you to build me up in the Lord. Please stop. No, no none of us did that. We, we hunger for that. We desire for that because I believe this is something that God has put in us and we were made to do that for others. We could all think of people that have made indelible marks in our life and they are often those who are encouragers. They, they've had encouraged. They've believed in us. There have been words of affirmation. They've built us up and God wants us to be those people, a people marked by encouragement. Encouragement in the life of God's people is an essential virtue for us to keep on in life, on his mission, with joy and strength. And I think that's why here in the conclusion of Thessalonians chapter 5, when we saw all these commands, and but they're falling from Paul's encouragement to the church about this day of the Lord coming and, and this remember this salvation that you have experienced in Christ if you look at chapter 5, verse 9, this, this thing, this salvation that has come to us, and, and we're going to live with him, and he says in verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. He's observing that this is already happening, but he's not satisfied with it happening. He wants it to keep going and to keep taking place. Encouragement, building up. To encourage is to make strong. It's to, to inspire with hope. We, we actually see the word courage in the word encourage. So this strength of heart that comes 
to spur one another on, to edify. We all value encouragement because we feel the good of it when we experience it, and we feel the blessing of it when we do that to others. It's a win-win. That person wins, and we feel blessed by that. But we are aware when there is the absence of encouragement as well. It stalls out relationships. It it hinders, it, it dries up progress, and we get stuck. I did, as some of you in the room, I did with as well. I did theater and acting back in the day. I was with this traveling drama company for some time, and, and one of the things I enjoyed doing was improvisation, do improv. We, if you've ever watched that old TV show, Whose Line Is It Anyway?, or um, gone to, I think they still do it downtown. It was called Comedy Sports. It was just like an improv event. Spontaneous, unscripted, comedic acting. And uh, when you, one of the things you learn when you do improv is kind of this golden rule. You, you never say no. You can't say no. He, here's why. You can imagine a scene, two guys finishing up, you know, finishing up their day at school, and they're, they're supposed to discuss what are they supposed to do now after they're done with school. It goes something like this. Hey, Ted, I hear there's a new movie out. How about we go see it? No. Um, okay, how about we go shoot some hoops? Um, let's go play some basketball. No. Um, I have this awesome new Xbox game. How about you come over to the house and we'll play that this evening? No. As you, could, you see, that it, the scene doesn't work. It just stops. It stalls out. The scene is dead. You can't go anywhere if all you say is no. And when we think about this golden rule of improv, if a church community is characterized by no's and that's wrong or stop or that's bad, and there is an absence of an encouraging yes, that's right, that's good, let's go, in each other's lives, the progress stalls out. It pulls us away from each other. It actually deteriorates joy and trust. The, in essence, the story dies. And the opposite is true. When encouragement is present and active, and you hear a Paul saying, encourage one another, build each other up as you are doing, keep doing it, keep letting this happen, it, it, it advances the scene. It moves us forward. It fuels joy. Uh, those who are weak and struggling with confidence find courage Those doubting God's activity in their life find fresh faith. Those aware of God's grace are made more more aware of God's grace in them, and we run harder. We invite others into that. You can just see the the progress that this gives us as God's people. And we, we want to advance. We want to move forward God's mission, God's purposes, and we want to find hope. We want to find strength, and we all long for encouragement. We all need encouragement, and we're all to be used by God to encourage one another. And so we're going to look just really at two, two points this morning as we consider this virtue of encouragement. One, the encouragement originates in God. We, the worship that, that we give God, the God of, that we worship and serve is the God of encouragement. It's who he is. And we are called to reflect him by encouraging others. Romans 15.5 says this, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Look at this, this description here that we are, see in Romans. God, our God, is the God of encouragement. This is, this is who he is. This is part of his very being as an encourager. An encourager. And how is, the God, who, how is he the God of 
encouragement. Well, we could spend all morning connecting the dots to that, but foremost, in the very beginning, He is the Creator. I mean, think about, He is the Creator of life. He is the one who breathes life into His image bearers and everything else He creates. He sustains those things. He's the life giver. Uh, Encouragement is life giving, and He is the beginning of life. It's the fact that we have heart beating and air in our lungs, which are a gift from Him. And He doesn't just give us life, He gives us Himself. He offers Himself, His presence, and it doesn't withhold anything from us. He invites us into the very triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, His very person, which is life-giving, to lift us up. So He gives us His very person, and then He, he gives us His Word, which speaks of who He is, the reveal who He is, the very Scriptures that we have just really closely connected to the text we just read in Romans, Romans 15, 4. Paul writes, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. So the the God of encouragement gives us His words of encouragement, which are life-giving. They lift us up. They, They connect us ultimately to the gospel, His salvation, His plan, His grace, and our eternal future with Him. He gives us Himself. He gives us His words. We see these amazing little examples like in the story of Joshua, right? He's on the precipice of going into the promised land, and he encourages Joshua, this newly appointed leader of Israel, on the verge of taking the people into the promised land, this difficult and daunting mission, and he tells him to, to take courage, to, to find, find, be encouraged. Look at Joshua chapter 1. It says, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all according to the law of Moses, that Moses, my servant, commands you. Do not turn it from the left or to the right hand to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Talk about like an encouraging pep talk from God himself to you. Like God's encouragement of Joshua, you're going to go into the promised land, this mission that you're going to go on is going to be successful. There's, there's qualifications to that, but you are going to enter the promised land. God's presence is going to be with you wherever you go. The, the strength and the courage that he needs is not going to ultimately come from within Joshua. It's, God's not puffing Joshua up saying, you're an amazing, courageous, and strong man. He's saying, because of your faith in me, in my promises, I am going to be with you. Take courage. Have strength of heart. Be encouraged. Be obedient. Remain obedient to what my words are. Be faithful to those, but know that I'm with you. Find courage. Be encouraged, Joshua. God comes to all kinds of leaders in the same way. He comes to his people with these type of words through the scriptures. And ultimately, they're the scriptures that come and lead us to our encouragement, our hope in Christ the Word. The God of encouragement reveals himself in the person of Jesus, the Son of God, and Jesus comes with his words, the words of life, the good news, the greatest of encouragements. We need to remember that. The bedrock of our encouragement, the thing that would make us smile and find hope, is that we were sinners who were separated from God, who have now been brought near by his blood to him, to know him, to love him now and through eternity. And then he fills us with his very presence, his spirit that guarantees that that is going to happen. 
the comforter, the encourager that dwells within us, that reminds us of his promises, that guides us, that convicts us. So he gives his, his very spirit along with his word. The greatest comfort and encouragement our hearts need is to know that we have peace with God and eternal hope through Jesus Christ. That's why Paul would point to this to the Philippians. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation in the Spirit, he goes on to point to their unity and their love for one another, it is rooted in Jesus. It is rooted in him. Take heart because he is for you. He is with you. He is in you. He has prepared a home for you. And all his purposes are good and wise, even in the heart. And he comes to encourage us in this. We get these sweet little nuggets from Jesus, from like John 16 to his disciples. In this world, you will have trouble. There's going to be things that are going to be discouraging or tempting to be discouraging. But take heart. Be, have courage in your heart. Take encouragement in your heart. Why? I have overcome the world. Take heart. Be strong in your heart. Be lifted up. Be encouraged even in your troubles because I am king and I am with you. He will never leave us nor forsake us is his promise. Jesus invited us to pray even, to ask in his name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. These are just like the litany of encouraging words that Jesus speaks to us for our joy. The God of life who came to us to share in his life and his blessing and in the encouragement that he comes, that comes through him. Again, we could spend this morning going over many passages. Maybe some of those have come to your mind already. They offer us encouragement because he is the God of encouragement. And our encouragement, all of our encouragement of one another does not derive simply from ourselves. It flows from him to others. It, it, is, a, it is a pattern from, our, from God and it is an echo of God. So God wants to use us and he uses you and I to encourage others as part of his activity of encouragement. And this is amazing that God would do that. We, we come to others and we draw attention to God's activity in them and his promises for them. Take heart. Be encouraged. He is with you. I see God's work in you. Remember his promises. He's going to see us through. Take courage. Be strong in him. Rely on his strength. Fear not. Follow his paths. These are all just echoes of what God does and speaks to us through his word and through the Spirit and His Son. And we need encouragement. I need encouragement. You need encouragement. Maybe you're just acutely aware today of, of discouragement this morning. Maybe it's just a, a weariness in sin's battle. Maybe it's just a hard suffering right now. Maybe you're just struggling to see God's activity and work in your life. My hope is that, that for, first and foremost, you hear God's words towards you. And my prayer and hope is that this morning in light of this message and maybe by the conduit of somebody else in the coming days, you will be encouraged. God wants to use us. He wants to use us to not only simply receive encouragement directly from the Lord by His Spirit, but God's design is that His people, His church, are conduits of encouragement for others. So, therefore, we are to be a people marked by encouragement because we are people of the God of encouragement. And we see this all through 
the New Testament. We read this in letters like we're reading here in Paul's letters to Thessalonica. We, we see them in, in certain individuals like Barnabas. Remember Barnabas? Barnabas' name actually literally means the son of encouragement. I would love, one day we will, but I would just love to have been a friend hanging out with that guy. His examples of encouragement are all over the books, uh, book of Acts. Just look, just do a word search on Barnabas and just look at him, see, see him moving and navigating. And his presence is one of those kind of behind the scenes guys, but the mission and encouragement of those around him are very clear. We see him. He sell, initially, we see him initially right away when he sells uh, sells a field that he owns, and he brings the money for the encouragement of the mission of the church. He's the guy who gets Paul, and he brings him to Jerusalem and gets him connected to the the apostolic ministry that's going on. Encourages Paul in his ministry. They hook up and join together, and they go alongside preaching, traveling, church planting, all of this along with persecutions that would come and that they would experience personally and the churches would experience. And, and then we see verses like chapter 14 and 22 in, in, in Acts, they, encouraging others to push ahead. He says, they went around strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. Strengthening their hearts in Jesus, encouraging them to keep on God is with you, saints. It's hard. Following Jesus is a challenge and difficult thing, but God is with you. Be encouraged. This is what God has called us to. I mean, I can imagine. I just imagine the moments that maybe Paul was weary and struggling, and he had a Barnabas, the son of encouragement with him, building him up, encouraging him. What a guy Barnabas was, the son of encouragement, moving, advancing the story ahead with his encouragement, to be labeled the son of encouragement. What a, what a gift. I could at times be called the son of criticism or the son of negativity or the son of nitpicking. How, how, did, how did Barnabas get this title? How did he? Well, it wasn't, it didn't just a, it wasn't just a personality trait for Barnabas, right? He encountered the grace of God in Christ the God of encouragement transformed him, and he became known for this virtue of encouragement. This isn't just for Barnabas. This isn't just a call for Barnabas. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity as we encounter Christ, all of us, the grace of God, this could be made known for us. And I can repent of being the son of criticism and find the grace of God at work to be an encourager. It's a beautiful example of God's work in the lives of God's people. It is God's grace in the gospel, that this virtue becomes realized in them. And it shapes the encouragement that is experienced in the church community. This is God's design. That's why we see command over and over again like this. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up, for encouragement, for edification. Or let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. So we get around God's people. We gather as God's people. What happens? Building up. Encouragement. And, and one of the ways and means which God does that, the, the God who is the God of encouragement, the giver of encouragement, he gives gifts to his church. So we see in that Corinthians text, there's some that are 
teaching, some that are giving a, a hymn, some are serving, different kind of acts of mercy and teaching and encouragement, all of that for the building up of God's people. So encouragement should saturate the gathering of God's people. If it's two people, if it's a small group, a discipleship group, or a Sunday morning. And the command is because we are to maximize the, the time and gathering that we have because there is a, a mission ahead. There is a future day coming, and we need the gathering in order to be encouraged. We need to be connected to brothers and sisters so that we can be built up. When we're disconnected from that, discouragement happens. And we see Hebrews 10 remind us of this. Do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. But when you gather, what do you do? Encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. And again, back to our Thessalonians text. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. We need encouragement. God knows we need encouragement, and he gives us the gift of the body to be means of encouragement to one another. And this necessitates that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. I can only encourage you so much as to the degree that I am looking and having my eyes fixed on the God of encouragement, fixed on Jesus, looking for Jesus and his activity in others. So we experience the God of encouragement to then be the encourager, reflecting him and drawing attention to his glory and his work in others. So there is a place for encouraging others to do something or correction. Uh, that is part of encouraging. Yet the essential part of our imitation of God is to be encouragers by upholding who God is, drawing attention to his glory and his grace and activity at work in others, namely Christ's work in them, so that they might be built up. We, we like to use that word, evidences of grace. The, the greatest display of God's grace is in the visual display of the Son of God, the very image of God. And so we want to draw attention to God's glory and His grace in others, which is those things that are worthy of praise. Author Lou Perillo, he, he writes this, that we, that you and I, we, you, just demonstrate your high estimation of others by commending them for those qualities that are biblically worthy of praise. So we're able to to encourage others and show our value and estimation of others as we commend them, encourage them, as we draw attention to the qualities that are God in them, Christ's glory in them, that the sightings of Christ's work, his likeness, his love, his peace, his faithfulness, his patience, his mercy. And when we do that, God gets the glory and those people are being built up. So we see something commendable in another and we know that is God at work, and we draw attention to that. We see observations of somebody enduring something hard with joy. We, we see someone who's in a hard situation, and they're, they're giving themselves to obedience and faithfulness. Somebody who's offering forgiveness in a moment of pain. So to observe these and then to speak these encouraging words to others is necessary, but it's also, it's also a skill that we, we have to grow in. Uh, there are many TV shows that help us appreciate the skill of knowing the value of some historical object or artifact. Like, like maybe you've seen the Antiques Roadshow or like some like American Pickers or something like that. Experts who have the evaluation of an item 
that takes knowledge and skill to see past the age or the blemishes or the dust or what's deteriorating, and they know its designer, they know its, its age, the uniqueness of its worth, so they can walk into an old barn and all the dust and all the, the junk laying around, and they spot this one valuable item in the midst of it all, and they draw attention. They say, that, that's it. That's valuable. That's worth something. And we know that it is much more easy to, and there's plenty to find, to spot the negatives or the failures or the blemishes around us. But in Christ, through Christ, by His grace, we, have these, we can have these eyes, these, these eyes that we can look over those things that are maybe weaknesses or blemishes and failures and love perceives and spots God's grace at work. This is a help and a work of God's grace. So we need his help to do that, and it takes skill to draw attention to those. It takes the work of his spirit. And it's often us drawing attention to the things that are not always glamorous. 90% of the time, it, it, it may not be those things. I'm not sure, I don't think anybody in here this week is going to hold a, a Billy Graham crusade with thousands of people coming in light of your ministry. Maybe you will. I'd like to know. I'd want to go, if you are. But Oftentimes, these are found in changing diapers. This is found in working up a bid with excellence and integrity on a spreadsheet. It's found fixing engines. It's making meals for others. It's doing laundry. It's, it's praying. It's, it's asking forgiveness for something we've done to somebody else. These are those moments, these, these maybe non-glamorous, just everyday mundane things where we see God's activity at work. And on this Mother's Day, I want to take a moment to draw attention to what sometimes just feels like unglamorous work, moms, that you do, but it is peculiar, peculiar in its glory to the Lord in the way you serve and love children. Your day is filled daily with mundane tasks, often overlooked, not seen, middle of the night, feedings, meals, and things that you labor for and you sow to that seem like there is no immediate return in. And it's every day. And it's every day. The Lord sees. The Lord sees your faithfulness. The Lord sees what you do day in, day out, middle of the night. And he is the one who sees and is honored. And you please the Lord in that activity. And so would you, would you know that God sees? Would you know that God is honored in your faithful task? And then what seemed like a mundane unspectacular thing, it gives glory to God. It honors God. Be encouraged. You are doing a good, holy task. And God has not put anybody else in the place to do that task except you for that child. And that is his divine plan. May you know his joy and pleasure. So at times, our, the encouragement is in the spectacular, yet often it's in the mundane. I referenced this quote last week about gratitude from uh, Harold Best, that he said, mature Christians or worshipers are easily edified. I mean, we, it doesn't take, you know, Billy Graham to make us, you know, encouraged. We could see small things. But mature worshipers, Christians, can be as easily edified. And I, I say we could twist this quote a little bit and say that, that, that think we could say that they, they can be, they can easily edify. And our maturity, we want to easily edify. We want to be quick to edify, ready to edify, ready to encourage, ready to see with discerning eyes, even in the mundane, and build somebody up. They can spot it. So when we encourage one another, we are modeling after 
and in participating in what God in Christ does for us. I just, just want you to just feel the, the beauty and the power of that when we are doing that. He comes to lift us up and to give us life. He comes to strengthen our hearts and bring resolve in our walk, in our fight. He comes to fill us with hope in him. He comes to align our distracted hearts to stay on course. He offers us spirit with comfort and guidance. And so when we come alongside to encourage and strengthen others and encourage and build up, we are doing a wonderful thing in step with what God is and who he is. So he wants to use you. He wants to use us. And we have endless opportunities and ways to be encouragers, but if we are all honest with our hearts, we don't always stay on point with that. Um, There are hindrances to our encouragement of others. Some of that can happen just because we have a long history with somebody, and just life happens. (laughs) And we get to know all the other stuff about people, and sometimes criticisms begin to overshadow encouragement. Correction dominates And our eyes can get fixed on the wrong things rather than the predominant thing, which is God at work. And so we can start to believe what Mark Twain wrote, that nothing needs reforming as other people's habits. So let us humbly ask of our hearts this morning, what what needs reforming in our encouragement of others? A, A couple things for us to consider. One is the absence of encouragement in the midst of criticism or correction. All relationships need and have those. But consider relationships early on. Let's take some newlyweds, for example. Early on in the dating, they discover their favorite color, and they just everything, they buy everything for them with those colors, or their favorite dessert, and they're just always ready to make that dessert. But time goes by, become aware of people's habits. Uh, indifference can grow. There's correction. There's cr- criticism. And, and things just, just drift away from that encouragement and serving. Uh, Pastor, author Sam Crabtree, he just has a wonderful little book called Practicing Affirmation that I would recommend. He offers this thoughts and consider the word encouragement as he uses the word affirmation. Generally, new relationships are still predominantly affirming, but as relationships endure the years, they also endure a lot of correction. More specifically, affirmation didn't keep up. Not enough affirmation was dished out compared with all the other messages in the relationship. Uh, A fire not stoked goes out. A refrigerator unplugged rots the eggs, which were perfectly good not too long ago. A garden not tended erupts with weeds, not vegetables. Affirmation or encouragement, I would say, is the fire-stoking, refrigerator-electrifying, garden-tending side of relationships. So we become lax in our encouragement. This could be spouse, this could be at home with children, this could be friends, this could be just church community. And, and things sort of stack up. Honey, uh, you left the trash out again. You, you didn't finish this, or you, you didn't do this correctly, or this was wrong. And, and we become the antique roadshow of fault-finding and flaws uh, rather than encouragement and affirmation. So these can stack up with no deposits of, of affirmation and encouragement, and this, this could lead to discouragement. And we pull away rather than press in. That's why Proverbs 21 would say why the husband would prefer to live on a roof than in the house with a quarrelsome wife. There's a, a reality to that. So there's a place for correction. We see the scriptures that calls us to rebuke and reproof and admonish and instruct. But even that, all of those are for a motivation from love for growing up and to build up. 
not to voice pet peeves. It is the aim for God's glory and for that person to be edified. All of that is, all surrounded, maybe with a 10 to 1 with affirmations of our encouragement to every one correction. So, that is a ditch we can fall into. Another one it could be just our incorrect motives. We, the proper encouragement that we have and that we should be giving others, is, it's not flattery. It's not what encouragement is, affirmations. Proverbs tells us, 26, 28, a lying tongue hates its victims and a flattering mouth works ruin. Notice how that proverb just puts lying and flattery next to each other. The flattery is about selfish gain. It's not truth-telling, but it, it twists and, and shifts in order to lift me up, to seek my advantage, my gain, my promotion in the eyes of someone else. So I'm very self-oriented in my encouragement, not actually towards the betterment of somebody else. Yet biblical encouragement seeks the good of another by strengthening them in Christ, and it's God-directed, it's God's glory directed. But here's the beauty. Encouraging others does bless us. It's not our main motivation, but it does turn back to joy for us. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, He who refreshes others will, him, will himself be refreshed. We encourage others, we bless others, we affirm others, we will find joy for ourselves. So not only does it strengthening others, we are also blessed. I think we can be really helped by Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. This text reminds us that only, 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 you guys want to join me? Only. Only, only what is for building up, what is for encouragement. This is convicting to me as I'm reading this, as I was studying this week, like only, it's only what comes from my mouth, my heart should be for encouragement. Only. As fits the occasion. I love the wisdom in that. Meaning the timing of what I share and how I share need to be considered. Being a conduit of God's grace and building up for someone in a particular moment may mean me not saying anything, actually. My uh, words may actually hinder the progress when I should just be listening with compassion, reading scriptures with somebody, and just offering to pray with them. That may fit the occasion. That takes wisdom. But whatever we do, whatever we say, is for building up encouragement. We all fall prey to these hindrances and others. We, we have made errors or maybe are making them. How do, we make, how, do we, how do we change? What do we do? Well, I think we just begin with humbly admitting and acknowledging that maybe, I've, maybe I haven't been an encourager like I should. Um, a helpful question that um, is helpful to ask a children or a spouse, say, are you more aware of my encouragement or my criticism at this point? And I have had really good feedback on that question with my family. Um, I just encourage you to do that. And it just, it's a course correction, right? It's an opportunity for us to ask for forgiveness and just think about just the, that experience of forgiveness, that moment of encouragement. We are applying the work of God's grace in the gospel in our confession and in offering and extending forgiveness, releasing people from debt and lavishing mercy on the other person. Even in that act of confession and forgiveness, there is encouragement taking place. So let, let, us, let us move towards those 
and, and offer some feedback and let us move towards Jesus with faith that we can experience the good of the gospel. So a few thoughts as we wrap up, just a, some quick bullets on us as we practice encouragement. Some of the things we talked about, some of the things we mentioned already. A great encouragement we can give and offer other people is praying for them. Pray for somebody and then just tell them that you are praying for them. Send them a text. There is a, not many more radical encouragements that you can have than say, I am praying for you. I am praying for you. I read a quote the other day from Charles Spurgeon. He was asked, what, 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 what would you give? What would you chalk up your um, success in ministry to? And he says, my church prays for me. That's it. They said, my church prays for me. So I would be greatly encouraged if you pray for me. I would welcome your prayer. Pray for somebody. Tell them you're praying for them. Encourage by listening. Drawing somebody out. Again, it's not just as fitzication speaking. It is sometimes listening. Drawing somebody's heart out is an expression of love and encouragement. Knowing you. How can I pray for you? See this idea of looking for the mundane and the radical as well. A biblical grid we can use is the fruit of the Spirit. I think it's an amazing grid to think through. The fr- anything that comes like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control that flows from somebody, that is a work of God's Spirit. You see and notice activity of somebody's faithfulness in a particular task? Draw attention to that. Encourage them. Consistency in serving? Encourage them in that. A dependability or peace and patience and when there's like friction and storm coming in. Draw attention to that. And if you do encourage them, don't be just uh, general in that. Allow that to be specific. There is a means of encouragement. We are specific. Not just good job or this was good. It's you did a good job and there was excellence in that. And, and when you did that and it was excellent, you were, you were honoring the God because of God who is excellent. I saw you were in a high-pressure situation. There was a, many opportunities for you to be frustrated, but you experienced joy. I saw joy. That honors God. Those are ways we can encourage. So be specific. And then just remember the mundane, the, the ordinary. Not, not Billy Graham crusades, but just, um, honey, I know you came home from work and you were tired. It was a long day and you just selflessly helped me with dinner and then you took over taking the kids to bed and you, you did bedtime and it, you still had uh, some of the tank to encourage me in the evening. Thank you. Thank you for that. Just specific encouragement. We need encouragement. You need encouragement. I need encouragement. And saints, the impact of the fall in this world around us and in our own weaknesses and struggle. There are thorn and thistles that we are fighting against as we, uh, we plow and, and move ahead in life. We battle sufferings and hardship, and, and encouragement comes as a refreshment to us. It's a strengthening to us. We, we need others to hold out the promises of the gospel, the hope of the gospel, the, the, the character of God and who he is, and that he is at work in us and for us to build up, to keep on going. We look, for the, we look to the God of encouragement, who loves us, who poured out all his himself for us. Remember our sort of our analogy with the, the story of improvisation, right? We, we know that, that, that God knows the story, and we are looking to the one who is in control of the story, and we want to fall in suit to his yeses, his encouragements, 
I am for you. I am with you. Advancing the scene in our life and our joy and our hope. And we get the privilege, each and every one of us, to draw attention to the glory of God and Christ in others, encouraging them, urging them on in that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being the God of encouragement. You, you have not withheld yourself from us, but you have given us yourself, and you have given us the words of life, which is in Christ himself, and you did not spare your son, but gave him for us, and how will you not also with him give us all we need to be encouraged? And so let us, let us see the beauty and the power, this waterfall of encouragement that comes from you that you're at work, that you are for us and not against us, that you who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete that to the day of Jesus Christ. And, and Lord, we want to be conduits of that for one another, and we, we all have misstepped here. We, we all need to grow. We thank you that there's forgiveness in you and that there is grace and strength and power in your spirit to then move towards one another to reflect you, Lord, as encouragers. Lord, I thank you that I have been a recipient of great encouragement from this body. I look around this room and I see encouragers in this room being built up in you, Jesus. Would you just keep doing that as Paul would encourage the church in Thessalonica to, to keep building, keep doing what you're doing. Lord, we would keep growing and, and encourage one another until that day that you come to get us. In your name we pray. Amen.